The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. Lord, we want to hear from you, not from some almost 60-year-old guy. We want you to do work that no one in this room can do apart from the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the Bible and how powerful it is. Thank you for giving us this uh, mystery of a book that is enough for life and godliness while we're in this world. Thank you that it's meant for uh, everyone. It's meant for everyone. And so, Lord, would you speak to us this morning and build us up in the faith? And for those who are yet to commit to Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would use today's um, text and talk to to, uh, move someone who might not know you as as Savior to uh, call out to you. Well, pray all this, believing Jesus, you're in the room and you're at work. In Christ's name, amen. On uh, Thursday, I had the joy of sitting with an old friend of mine. Um, he's been pastoring in Millinocket, Maine. That is like four and a half hours from here, up 95, and then way out in Millinocket, this old logging community um, out in the middle of Maine. My friend Ian, he's a great guy. His wife's a... Um, She's a physician assistant, five children, two in college, uh, another three in high school and such. And they, they at, at, he was 50 years old, they had a whoops baby. So they've got a little boy who's six years old. Ian is uh, 56 and his little son is Asher is six. Well, at Christmas time, Ian was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. And uh, actually, one of the reasons I wanted to, I stopped, wanted to see him just because we've been friends for about 20 years, and I love him, and I just wanted to visit with him and encourage him, and he more, he encouraged me more. Um, and I was struck by several things as I sat there with um, Ian, and uh, as I went out the door, he said, hey, take some uh, beef and barley homemade soup. And then later he texted me and said, it really wasn't beef, it was beaver, but I didn't want to tell you that because you might not take it. It was really good. He wouldn't have known. Anyway, I was, I was struck by uh, Ian's peacefulness and sense that, that Christ was ruling over the Shearer's home. You can imagine how his wife Marcy feels that perhaps her husband, I'm not sure how many years they've been married, you know, her closest friend, her lover, her, her partner in life, uh, could potentially pancreatic cancer, by the way, is is aggressive and about ninety eight percent lethal when it comes to after diagnosis. So there's not a lot of human hope here. I was struck by the peacefulness of their home, and I was struck by Ian's confidence that God had allowed this sickness for His glory. In fact, Ian was quick to tell one of his stories of a high school friend that he had, who's not a Christian, who lives in Portland, Maine. And when he had heard of Ian's diagnosis and reached out to Ian, and then just last Sunday, this, this person who doesn't follow Jesus, he and his wife show up to church uh, way up in Millinocket, so that's like a two-and-a-half-hour drive. And then he, this, this friend of Ian, has been interacting with Ian about, about the sermon. I share all that in the context of what we're looking at today. We're in Luke chapter 5, verses 12 to 26, as Jacob has already set this up. We're, we're looking at two uh, sort of scenes of Jesus healing people. One was someone with leprosy, which is not something you and I are common 
familiar with, which is a bacterial disease which affects the whole body. In fact, the Old Testament law was if you had leprosy, you had to move outside of town. You couldn't come to church at that point, temple. Uh, you, you, were, you were ostracized. And then the other was a paralytic, someone who had a neurological uh, injury or disorder and was paralyzed. And what we're going to see here is that healing shows the heart of Jesus. We're going to see here the heart of the healer who is Jesus. And as Jacob's already mentioned, we're not just talking physical healing. We're talking that, that when, when Jesus comes to town, in fact, the whole theme of, of um, the series you're in is kingdom come. When the king is in town, everything gets fixed. No demon can be allowed to rule. No illness is left untouched. No person is left lonely. When Jesus is in town, everything gets fixed. And so when we look at today's text, when we see that the king has come and things have changed, we, we're going to get this idea of, well, we're going to see the heart of this king. And that's, that's primarily what we want to look at this morning, the heart of this king. And we're going to see that he is near to those who cry out. We're going to see that he does all things right. We're going to see that he, his forgiveness is far greater than his healing. And we're going to see that he does it all for the glory of his father. So we're in Luke chapter uh, 5. I'm going to read verses, start with verses 12 and 13. As we look at the heart of the healer, we're going to see that he is near to those who cry out. And yeah, Jesus is near to those who cry out. There it is. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. Not just with a little leprosy, but like it was full-blown everywhere. And when he saw Jesus, he fell down on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will. You can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. We see here the heart of Jesus in several ways. First of all, he is, he is near to those who cry out. You know, Jesus isn't a guy who walks through town and says, if you're sick, you're healed. He gets in their face because he cares about you as an individual. It's very common for us to feel like God cares about everybody else in the room but me, and that's just not the case. He cares about you. Whether you're 12 or 59, you know, he cares about you. And he gets near to you, and he cares about what burdens you. Psalm 145 says, The Lord is near to all who call out to him, all who call out to him with integrity. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. You say, well, I don't feel like the Lord's near to me. I'm just going to ask, do you cry out to him? Like, are you unloading on him the things that stress you the most? Are you approaching him with your afflictions? And this doesn't just mean leprosy. I mean, it means whatever has got you weighed down. We live in a broken world. We are broken people. We, we feel, we feel the the unwholeness of this life. Jesus is near those who cry out to him. And I, I just urge you, as we think through this, is that the, the, only, the only part of this that falls under our responsibility is do we cry out to him? He doesn't want you to cry out because you got it all together. In fact, this is just the opposite. We cry out because 
That's just the opposite. We don't have it all together. He's near and willing. We are, one of the songs we sang today is, He is for you. Like, He is for you. Fill in your name. He is for you. Regardless of your age, your background, He is for you. And He's willing to, to bear the burdens. Did Jesus said, cast your cares on Him? And there are all sorts of sermons we preach about, like, prayer from this text. We're not going to go that direction today. But like prayer is talking to God, talking to your Father, talking because Jesus has come to rescue you. And he's willing, he's willing to process with you those things that bear, that, that weigh on you, those afflictions. Whether that be physical, like here, leprosy, or emotional, or mental, whatever the, he cares for you. Now, there's something really interesting going on here, and as we, we uh, sermon collab, and I, um, that means every Wednesday, there are three churches, as you probably know, going through the same text, Christ Community Church, Out in the Ware, King's Cross Church here in River of Grace, and it was our sermon collab, um, I, 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 and I want to give credit to Jacob, he was on there, even though he wasn't preaching, and he says, hey, you thought about the, and I'm going to throw down, I'm going to throw down a theological word, don't worry, don't let us scare you, I'm going to explain it. Have you thought about the imputation going on here? And I had to look it up a minute. Like, what is imputation? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the idea here is Jesus touches a leper, which in the Old Testament made him unclean. Jesus was now unclean. He couldn't go to church. He couldn't go to temple. He couldn't go to synagogue because he touched a leper. And then what does he tell the leper to do? We'll see in a moment. He says, now go to the temple and have show the priest what God has done, and they will declare you clean. This, my friends, is the nearness of Jesus to bear our afflictions. And not just bear and sympathize and empathize, but actually bear them away. I share this with you because the leper had been ostracized from the community, including from being in the place where God was worshipped. Jesus takes the leper's curse, heals the leper's curse, so that leper can go back into the presence of God. Friends, that is a beautiful picture of what Jesus does for those who cry out to him. There's a theological word. means the imputed righteousness of Christ has been put on our account, and our sins have been put onto his account. That's what's going on here. But all this to say, the heart of the healer is he's near you. He's not near just the leper. He's not just near the elder's he is near you. And again, I keep referring to age because I feel my age a little bit here. But uh, I, just, I just know that from life experience, like he's near you at your stage of life. He's near you. And all of the nearness of Jesus to you, his willingness to work with you, the only part you have here is to cry out to him. A second thing that we see about the heart of the healer is that he does everything right. Look at verses 14 through 16. He does all things right. And he char Jesus charged him, that was the leper, to, to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about 
Jesus went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and he healed all their infirmities, but he would, would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Man, there's a ton of things going on in here. There's, 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 there's the prayer thing going on. There's the infirmities of everyone else. Uh, but what I want to zero in on here is that Jesus' priority is not the publicity of the healed leper, but making people, the leper, positionally right with God and then calling them to live in a right way. So th there's this concept of righteousness. It's actually not in this passage, although uh, when the scripture is read today, it's, it's a major theme in scripture. That when Jesus was baptized, baptism is a, a picture of repentance and belief, needing, needing the cleansing of God. Jesus was baptized not because he was sinful and needed a cleansing of God, but he said to fulfill all righteousness. Now that's a, that's a big church word, right? Righteousness. But I just, it, it, I, for me, it helps me to think righteousness is two things. It's positionally being in a right place with God and then practically living out the right ways of God. Positionally being in the right relationship with God, Jesus makes us righteous. Then practically saying, okay, I'm, I, I'm in a right position with, with God, my creator, my father. I want to live in a right way practically. This is righteousness. Psalm 35 says, Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, Great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servants. And then my tongue shall tell of your righteousness and of all your praises all day long. What Jesus does, what you see when he heals this, this um, leper and, and then heals others and tells them, it's interesting, he says, don't tell anybody about your healing. Like that's like almost ridiculous. Why? Because what's more important for Jesus in this man's life is that he understands his right relationship with God. Go to the temple, offer the sacrifices, let the priests declare you clean. That's all Old Testament um, law. So, so I want you to understand you're in right relationship with God. I want you practically to live what's right. And, and what Jesus was making very clear here is the, the, the first part of righteousness that we sing about is that God makes us in right relationship with himself through his son, Jesus. Apart from that, we are not in a righteous place. You may be a band member, part of the Righteous Brothers. Some of you wouldn't understand that's an old, old band. But like that doesn't make you righteous. Only what Christ does through cleansing you makes you right. And he calls us now to live that out. Right standing with God impacts right living in the world. I think we're all done with religious hypocrisy. And I ha ha hate to say this to you, but it's going to be around until Jesus comes back. Like people who judge, you know, another man's servant. There's like, just like, it's just, it's been, I, I, I grew up in church. In fact, when I was 18 and went off to college, I loved Jesus, but I hated the church because I, I just had this disconnect with what I felt was religious hypocrisy. We want to see people live right but we want to see that done with the, the, the one that is near us, the sympathetic Jesus. 
And it's he who calls us to this right living, not manufactured like what I think is right, but what he says is right. And by the way, this is, this is across the human spectrum. It's part of being made in the image of God, the Imago Dei. It's why many unbelievers live a pretty good moral life and actually outmoralize many of us who are believers. Why? Because we all have this desire to, to, like, to do what's right. The key here, though, is who gets to ter- determine that? And Jesus pointed the leper back to the Old Testament law about if a leper is healed, he has to go offer sacrifice, be declared clean by a, a priest to fulfill all righteousness. But he then calls us not just from positional righteousness, but to walk in righteousness. This progressive walk with Jesus through life. Which, by the way, if it's different for a 14-year-old teenager and a 34-year-old young, uh, like young adult. I call it young adult. There, there, there's a, there's a, there are different challenges to righteousness at different stages of life. And all that to say is that in your life, as you wrestle with your life as it's been dealt to you by the eternal sovereign God, he is calling you to, out of a right position with God, to live out a right life, a righteous life, in obedience to what he instructs. And that's applicable to your life at your address, your zip code, your personality, your age. It's applicable to all of us. And so the heart of the healer is he wants, he wants, he's going to do everything right. And in your life, he's provided the means by which you are positionally right with the Father through him. We'll talk about that in the next thought. But then he's calling us to do what's right, to live out righteousness in our place, our stage, our personality, our gender. He's calling us to live out that right way. And we find joy in that the righteousness of God. The heart of the healer, we see that he's near you. We see that he does everything right, that you're not a mistake, your personality is not a mistake, your, your background. He is he's always at doing what's right. And we see that his forgiveness is greater than his healing. Now, this is the, this is the more chunky part, this third part. Let's see. There we go. Jesus' forgiving forgiveness is greater than his healing. So we're going to read a little bit here. On one of those days as Jesus was healing, Pharisees and, and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on, uh, bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lay him down with, let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, which is an interesting statement right there, he saw the faith of, of his buddies, we're assuming four men, four, four friends, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Okay, so he's saying to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you. That's really important. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? 
He said, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise, rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who is paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. The, the forgiveness of Jesus is far greater than any healing of, of any physical, mental, any of those issues. All those things are really good. Like, if it's, it's really good to be healed. Um, because my friend Ian is, um, he's not hiding uh, his pancreatic cancer and he's very public about it. I posted a picture of uh, Ian and me on, on Facebook and 20 years ago, um, well, actually it was like 20, several each, 20 something years, 20 in 2021, I went on a mission trip with a guy by the name of Sandy Stallman and we shared a room, we came very close and then I moved back here in 2022. Well, in 2022, his wife, Yuda, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Again, 98% fatality within like a year of diagnosis. And she's, she's one of the few who live. And she reached us out to me. says, Pastor Dave, I just want you to know that I, I saw your visit with your friend Ian. And, and she said, I, I just want you to know I'm praying for him and I'm, I'm here to support in any way. And I got thinking about that because Yuda has clearly, the kindness of the Lord has taken what is most likely a, a, a quick and, and uh, deadly diagnosis, and she's experienced God's grace for the last 20 years. You could call that a healing, but you're just still going to die. The paralytic, he's going to be healed, but he's still going to die. In fact, his buddies who might have wanted him to be healed so that he could rejoin their basketball team. You know, you need five. And so who knows? Like he could have fallen again and been paralyzed again. I'm not, I'm not trying to be morbid here. I'm just saying like healing, the healing that Jesus wants to bring to our lives at different levels. Uh, Jacob used the word holistic healing. That healing in this life is temporary in the sense that physically we are still going to die. And more important than that is this concept of forgiveness. Forgiveness is far more important because it's far more lasting. Forgiveness changes your eternal trajectory. According to the Bible, you have two options. Like not be in a relationship with God, ignore his grace, forgiveness, and, and gospel. Re ignore his son not believe it, and, and, and forever be removed from any of his grace. Eternal death, it's called. Like right now, you breathe his air, you enjoy sunshine, you love his winter and his spring and his summer and his fall. Like all of the good graces of God that you, we call it common grace, you experience right now. You are experiencing it free without believing, without acknowledging God, and that's all going to be taken away. That doesn't sound very pleasant. That's why it's called hell. But forgiveness changes that. It changes your eternal trajectory. It lasts longer. It's more costly for, for forgiveness to happen. God, who is just, must execute his justice. He does that on Christ. We'll be celebrating that. The death of Christ removes our, si our guilt, our sin. 
and it, and 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 it's far more important than healing. So if if you are praying for healing in a per- particular place and God does not heal that, that's because He has another plan. But I'm going to tell you this: if you ask Him to forgive your sins based upon what He's done, that happens, and it's forever, and it and it only gets better. There's an eternal bliss, and an eternal prog- a process of of increased joy as you walk in the forgiveness of God. We sang about joy this morning because of the work of the Father through Jesus. And I'm, I can testify as someone who now has been walking with Jesus seriously since I was 14 years old. So that, what's that, had that, I, I don't know, that's 40 some odd years, 45 years. Seriously walking with Jesus with all sorts of stumblings and failings and all that. But it only gets better. Like I'm closer to paradise, I know that, time frame wise. But like the joy increases. That's because the forgiveness becomes more and more tangible as you walk longer in that grace. If I could today take all your debt, I'm just assuming you're, most of you adults have some sort of debt. Maybe you have done, and so this is totally irrelevant. Um, or let's just say, you, yeah, you have you have debt, and I could say today, listen, I have. Won the Powerball, I've got, you know, an extra $150 million, and I'd like to pay off all of the debts of anyone who has debt in this room today. I can handle it. That'd feel pretty good, wouldn't it? Like, no more car debt, no more mortgage, no more student loans, no more consumer debt, no more medical bills. Like, you were free. That would make you feel pretty good, pretty liberated. And two things would likely happen. You'd probably fall back into debt again. It's because this world is in all its demands. Maybe, maybe not. Second of all, that's not going to change your eternal trajectory. It would be more tangible. So for Jesus to say to the paralytic, get up and walk, that would be like amazing. And he did that. But Jesus knew from his heart what you and I need more important, not forgiveness of financial debt, not healing of physical needs. He knows the biggest thing we need is forgiveness. And that's why this whole conversation happened. And here's the heart of Jesus. The heart of the healer knows that his forgiveness is greater than his healings, and he's the one who's going to bring your forgiveness. I don't know the full story of what happened to the paralytic. I mean, clearly this was a life-changing event. Now his four buddies and he... Maybe they could resurrect that basketball team they once had. Maybe they used to work with him. Maybe he got paralyzed on the job, and now he could go back to work. Now he could support his parents. That was the only social system really of the day was strangers' generosity and your your family taking care of you. Maybe he could get married and have kids. I don't know. All I know is what Jesus said was more important for him was the forgiveness of sins than all of that. Finally, the heart of the healer is for his father. Jesus, is, Jesus will glorify his father, and that is at the, that what happens to this story. Verses 25 through 26 say, say this. Uh, next slide, guys. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home. What is he doing? Glorifying God, which you and I both would do if that sort of amazing 
uh, healing happened, and amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. When we, when, when we moved, uh, in 1975, we moved to this village in, outside of Concord called Kentuckuk, about 15 miles west of Kentuckuk. My dad was a pastor, a little church there. And next door were the, the family called the Coles, Phil and Donna Cole. They had two sons, uh, Pete and Mike. Mike was just like a baby. I say a baby. He's like two or three years old. And he'd just been diagnosed with cerebral palsy. And uh, a couple of weeks ago on uh, Martin Luther King Day, I was carrying a mini fridge down into our basement and fell and uh, got a black eye and stitches and bleeding and 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 I'm because I'm an extrovert I post this online with like this picture of a black eye and said no my wife didn't do that and and Mike responded he said I've got a spare wheelchair if you need one I hadn't talked to Mike in several years no not true I saw him last year um but but Mike responded saying I've got a spare wheelchair for you and that started us down this uh we've been now chatting online for about three weeks and um and and Mike uh, being with cerebral palsy, um, he, he was talking, he's sharing a quote from Johnny Erickson Todd, if you don't know the name, it's, um, she's a Christian woman who's paralyzed, and she leads this big ministry for people within, uh, especially for, for people in wheelchairs, and he leads this quote, I, I think it had to do with, like, what are you looking forward to most in heaven, and he said, and he's quoting Johnny um, Erickson Todd, who said, we who've been in wheelchairs are going to gather around a pit and throw a party as we push our chairs into that pit. And, 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 and she just describes the celebration, and, and Mike was sharing that story uh, with me. And as Mike has been following Jesus, and I, I just recently was listening to his testimony. He went to college. He's married. He has two sons of his own. Um, since, since the pandemic, he hasn't been able to go to this church because his wife works on Sunday. He has nobody to get him to church because he can't drive even though, um, um, yeah, but, but, and, and, and one of the his, part of his story is when he, when the diagnosis was given as an infant that he had cerebral palsy, his dad who had had weak faith at that moment, but prayed and asked God, God, would you spare his speech? Because a lot of people with cerebral palsy have, have very diff, have a great difficulty with speech. And sure enough, Mike is, he's, he's got, I mean, he has no problem speaking. That can tell you he speaks too much. But Mike testifies to the glory of God. And recently we were sharing a video that um, is entitled, um, what was it entitled? Why My Cerebral Palsy is a Good Thing. It's not, it's not by Mike, I was sharing it with him, I ran across it. And, it, and it. and it's about this young man in Austin, Texas, who's cerebral palsy, and his speech is very slurred. But he just thanked God for this because it's opened doors for him to minister the gospel of Jesus. I share that with you is because at the end of the day, whether by life or death, by whether by healing or sickness, the purpose that God is at working in all our lives is that he would be glorified and people, whoops, people would be in awe of what God is doing in our lives. And that's what he's doing in your life. People see in you a joy, a peace, a holy struggle towards the right way, righteousness, they see in you as you follow Jesus and trust him, 
that the Father would be glorified as you live out trusting Jesus. Listen, God is greatly glorified to allow Mike, my friend, to remain paralyzed. He's been prayed over. I've prayed over him. He's still in his chair. God is being glorified because this, he's about 50 now, this man continually testifies that God has been faithful to him with cerebral palsy. God can be glorified by healing you this morning from whatever disease or, or affliction or anxiety, whatever is afflicting you. He can be glorified by that. But at the end of the day, this is the heart of Jesus, is that his Father would be glorified. So how do we know if he's going to be glorified by keeping you paralyzed like Mike is, or healing you like he did in this story that we just read? How do we know? We don't know. We just asked. Jacob uh, referred to the fact that we, um, we, we believe in praying for healing. In James chapter 1, and I'll conclude with this, we've been given this instruction, those of you who are in the faith. Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Okay, that kind of fits this morning. Verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they, should, they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and uh, one another, and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effects. There's a, uh, a very smart African brother by the name of Femi who I met. He was a mechanical engineer in England. He's gone back to his home city of Lagos, Nigeria, largest city in, in Africa, 30 million people, to plant a church um, called City Church. And this morning, it already happened, he preached on this. Healing is a normal thing for the Son of God. Healing is a normal thing for the Son of God. Does Jesus want you healed? Yes. Ultimately, he will heal his people. What about right now? I don't know. So what do we do? We ask the one whose heart we know. He's near to us who cry out to him. He does everything right. His forgiveness is far more powerful and, 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 and has greater implication than any temporary healing. But he is going to glorify his father. So I'm going to close with prayer. I'm going to offer you this opportunity. You need us to pray that God would heal you and that he would be glorified in your life. We'd love to do that. Lord, as we uh, have spent some time learning about your heart, Lord Jesus, your heart is for us. You are in this room. Lord, I pray that you would be at work. Father, for those who need forgiveness to know that that greater than any healing you can bring physically or emotionally. Lord, you, you want to restore people to you. You want us to be able to go into your presence without any uncleanness and be welcomed. Father, I pray that you would do that more than anything else. And Father, for those who, who uh, need you to be at work in their lives physically or emotionally, mentally, 
other ways, Lord, I pray that they would cry out to you because you're so near. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us of how near you are, Lord Jesus. You're beautiful. We love you. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.